Awesome. Well, I'm glad we were able to do this. Yeah. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Mo, who's the other half of Coffee and Sugar, um, shot y'all song um, Undercurrents over to me. And he was like, dude, check out this band I just found. And I kind of dug it. So that's why I reached out and I was like, I talk to these guys and see uh, what they're all about. Sure. That sounds great. Um, so just a rundown of the band. First of all, my name is Greg Adams. I'm the lead singer of Tioga. Um, I sing and uh, play guitar and I play keys live. Um, and then there are, uh, I'm one of four. So I, there are three other members of the band. Um, Derek DSO plays guitar. Um, Austin Paragus plays bass live. Uh, Henry Tyler Brooks plays drums live, but uh, you know I make the distinction of uh, live because we're all very um, uh, ambidextrous in the studio. Um, and you know, post 2019, um, a lot of what we've done has been more in the studio. Um, you know, there were huge swaths of time in the last 24 months where we went from you know pre-pandemic playing out. Um, a lot to mainly just kind of honing our uh, our craft in the, in the studio and then working on um, projects that we would release, um, you know, either live streaming over the internet or mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, strictly recorded material. But um, back to the origin of the band, um, we started in 2016. We all met in Philadelphia. Um, originally, I was playing shows um, I was, I was kind of just getting back into playing live music after maybe a two or three year hiatus. Um, and I knew Derek and I knew that Derek was booking shows. Um, and he booked me kind of on a whim to open for a band uh, that was touring um, at a show in Philly. And uh, I mean, his words, not mine, but he was kind of blown, blown away with what he heard. And after the show, he approached me immediately and was like, I had no idea that you had that in you. Like, we need to start a band. We need to, you know, we need to get a project going. So originally it was he and I. And then um, he was in another band in Philly at the time called Poster Child, which is like kind of a, a pop punk outfit. And they were ending. Um, so Austin, our bass player, um, got looped in and kind of just trusted Derek that it would be worth his time. Um, so fast forward maybe 16 months of, you know, uh, playing shows as a, as a triplet and, you know, asking whoever our friend was available that weekend to play drums, you know, whatever hired gun we could get to rehearse with us and, and figure out a 30 minute set with. Um, we went on tour and our friend Henry, who uh, was fronting his own bands in Philly, um, asked if he could come drum with us. And it was just an awesome week and a half of shows and we really bonded. And by the end of it, he was our permanent drummer. So for the last four years, it's been the four of us. Um, you know, like I said, everybody sings, everybody plays all the instruments. Mm -hmm. So it's really uh, a really fun collaborative experience. That's cool. No, and I, I didn't catch it, but what year did you guys say you, you kind of formed? 2016. 2016. Cool. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, 
at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020, uh, everything shut down and you guys couldn't do anything. So you said that you went into the studio and just kind of worked your magic there and just kind of started creating uh, y'all's sound. One of the things that, you know, listening to you guys over the last week or so, uh, I've noticed is that, you know, a few, uh, a, a, a band really that comes to mind uh, is Bad Sons when, when I listen to y'all's music. Specifically, you know, especially, you know, undercurrents, I really get that, that vibe from, mm-hmm. from Bad Sons. Would you say that, you know, that's part yeah, of it? I, I appreciate that comparison. Um, I think that Bad Sons is, you know, kind of within the, the tree. It's, it's within the sphere mm-hmm. of influence that I think we, um, you know, kind of obviously pull from on the, a majority of our music. Yeah. Um, I will say on the on the topic of undercurrents though because it is the uh you know you you initially shared our track um and we really appreciate that um and I, i'm sure that we'll talk a little bit more about the track going forward mm-hmm. but it is it was kind of like a, a major sonic departure for us i think i mean as as maybe maybe from the outside um you know it all of our stuff sounds a little more uh homogenous than it does to, to somebody on the inside, but it, you know, we, we say that undercurrents is kind of like the, one of the, one of the first big left turns we've made. And it, it was really mm-hmm. uh, fun to make that song. Yeah, no, I, I definitely could tell it has a, a different, uh, I don't want to say vibe. I think that's too generic, but um, I, I could tell it, it, it has a different sound than the rest of the music that you guys you know, have out. And I don't know, I, I think what you guys did with it made it definitely stick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, stick out to, to people like us that have never heard of you before, you know? Right. Well, and that's, that's interesting because, I mean, we were, I mean, I'll, I'll talk a little more about, you know, how, how the song got written and how the song was conceived. But um, one of the things that we really noticed was for the, for what felt like the first time with, um, you know, a release schedule for our content and our, and our music. Um, it felt like we had a very specific, clear picture of who we thought would like the song or what the song, like what mood the song fit into, what vibe specifically the song fit into. And that's not something, you know, like you hear a lot of pop writers talk about like, um, like Ty Virtus, um, I, I was listening to a, a podcast with him and he was talking a lot about, or I, I picked up from him that a lot of his music is, he goes in with, okay, this is gonna be a song for this specific feeling, or this is gonna be a song that captures this specific thing in the zeitgeist that I can capitalize on. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just nothing that we've ever done in our songwriting process. Um, and that's not something that we do with undercurrents, but it's kind of the closest we've ever gotten because after mm-hmm. we wrote it, we were like, oh, we accidentally wrote this song that is very much in this like fall, autumn, acoustic vibe thing. And, you know, we reached out, we grassroots to a bunch of folks who had, you know, a 400 follower uh, autumn leaves playlist or whatever. And we're like, hey, mm-hmm. we think our song would fit. And, and we got, you know, a great organic reception as a result of that so it was really cool to to do that 
That's unique. I've not, I, I guess I've, as someone that doesn't actively make music, I, I guess I would never would have thought of, I guess, doing your own research on people's autumns and leaves playlist and reaching out and saying, Hey, we think you might like, that's a, that's a, I think a genius way to go about, you know, inserting your music into a, just a, a playlist. Right. Because yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what we did. I mean, it, in the past, you know, you kind of bang your head up against the wall and, you know, you submit your music on submit hub or whatever, or, you know, any of the um, submission sites where you get people to listen to your music and they tell you what your music is good for, or they tell you what the vibe of the song is like, you know, not yeah. to, not to use that general term, but um, with, with the strategy that we went with, it was like, okay, we are actively identifying what the vibe of this song is or what the feeling of this song mm -hmm. is or what um, environment we want to invoke when somebody listens to this or what feeling we want to invoke when somebody listens to this. And when you, it, if, if you're on the money, like you can't, you know, you, you can't like, you, you can't jam a square peg into a round hole, but yeah. if your peg is approximately round, you can kind of beat people to the punch and say, you know, this is a, a, a subtle acoustic song. We really think it fits with autumn, blah, blah, blah. And then mm -hmm. you build off of that and you say, okay, what are, you know, what are vibes around autumn? Like, like what are all those things that comprise mm -hmm. that feeling for most people? And then you search for ways to connect with people through those, you know, touchstones or, or keywords. And that's, that's how we, reached out to people with that song and it was great and we got more like genuine feedback on the song than we had in the past with all of our other releases because we pounded the pavement so hard um you know trying to like connect with real people yeah no that's a i mean i think that's a solid marketing strategy i think a lot of the times artists and bands have a hard time figuring out where to start mm -hmm. when it comes to marketing their music a single whatever it may be, because you can put it out. But as you and I both know, if you don't have a, a plan involved of getting it in the hands of people, then it's not going to be heard, right? As yeah. as with anything in, in business, right? Because yeah. you got the music, but you also have the business side of it too. Yeah. Um, and was this the first time you guys had, had done that kind of strategy or is that something you guys have practiced in the past? Like I said, you know, I think our our strategy for reaching out to people was a little more proactive rather than reactive mm -hmm. this time. It right. was, you know, it, it was instead of starting incredibly generic with the pitch and looking for, you know, okay, anybody 18 to 25 is going to like this. So we'll just throw a bunch of money into this bottomless pit. <laughs> and like, you know, we get a million impressions and five people like it. Like, instead of instead of going big to small we tried to go we tried to start small first you mm -hmm. know so it's like if you know somebody has a coffee playlist or whatever that they play when they're on their way like from their house to starbucks to um their job or whatever right. or like kids on the school bus and it's raining so that's their uh school bus and it's raining playlist like that's that's what we went for and you know the thing the thing that i found about some of that listenership um, in that in that space is that they are searching for, or when they do search, it's incredibly specific 
um, playlist searches. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure that's the kind of thing that starts as like a joke among friends, you know, like I'm sure everybody has like a booty rocking, bootylicious playlist <laughs> or something. And it's like a joke between you and five guys or whatever. But then like enough people start searching for those like funny key phrases or enough people start having the same thought that you did where it's like, oh, I want a uh, walking in the rain in the city playlist. Like enough people have that thought where you just get like 2000 followers mm -hmm. on a playlist that's titled something like that. And then right. you as the artist are thinking that. And when you, and, and when you think of what all those people who are seeking out playlists want, you know, it's, it's providential. It's like that, that, that is already there. Like you're, you're feeling right. a need that you kind of intuited would be there. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see no. it. That's interesting. That's super interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I, I like to bring up on, on our podcast is, you know, things that are working for bands and artists and, uh, and, and just musicians in general from mm -hmm. just getting your music out there, marketing, I think I've talked about with, with a lot of the, the artists and, and bands I've brought on. So, you know, ideally, we have a lot more people uh, over time listening to this podcast and, and yeah. trying to learn things from the artists that we bring on. So, you know, with that and with that being uh, kind of in mind, you know, what things have you guys tried in the past that just, just didn't work? Well, you know, I think just going back to uh, what I said earlier, which is, you know, trying to start at the very top or like mm -hmm. going into certain, um, you know, watering holes or certain well-trod avenues of attack where it's like, you know, there's a reason that it's so easy you, or, 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 you know, it being so easy to access uh, submit hub or, yeah. um, you know, go into these places, like, because it's so easy, everybody's going to be doing that. So be mm -hmm. because everybody's doing that and you're stopping your, um, you're stopping your search for your listener so broad, so, you know, so early, um, mm -hmm you know, you're, you're going to get drowned out because that's where right. the other 1 million people are starting and then stopping. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can catch, you can cast a wide net and have it not go very deep. And, you know, you get 50,000 impressions on a, on an ad or something. And like I said, like two people click it, you know, because, yeah. because those spaces are so saturated. So like, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a constant battle to, it's a constant battle to figure out what channels people aren't using yet. Um, but you know, what, uh, businesses aren't marketing through yet. You know, when I say business, I mean, you know, any yeah. creatives, any artists, anybody who's trying to be heard, who's trying to be consumed as a, as a creative. Um, and then, it, and then I think it's about getting very good at those channels, uh, before they become the well-trod channels. So like, yeah, uh, I think TikTok in a big way, like the beginning of TikTok was something that a lot of bands are um, kind of reaping the benefits of that jumped on very quickly. Mm -hmm. Like there's a band, um, I hope I don't get their name wrong, but I think it's like Sub Radio or something like that. And uh, they, I mean, kudos to them. They do like a live stream on TikTok and I'm pretty sure they've been, they've been doing live streams on TikTok since like 20, you know, since... COVID started basically. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got like millions of listeners on, on Spotify. And it's because they figured out very early on how to get very good at TikTok in my mm -hmm. opinion. You know, and, and uh, yeah. We, we talked about that. I brought on a guy 
Uh, he goes by like the stage name Cyan. Uh, his name's Cody Cook, and he's a pop producer as well. Very much on the uh, the Laney side of things, uh, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with them. And you know, one of the things that we talked about was just being late to the game when it came to TikTok. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, he's like, I missed the buck, and like I could jump in, but the pool is so deep uh, that yeah. you know the chances of being caught uh, are slim. But it, I mean, it still happens, right? Like, yeah, I've I've found bands still uh, on on TikTok. I'll just for some reason, I guess the algorithm is finding out that I'm just into music. So it'll start sharing a bunch of like pop punk bands um, uh-huh. and, and kind of post hardcore bands that are like 30 second clips of like their newest song. And it's a banger. And I'm just like, shit. Okay. Like I got to go check them out on Instagram and, and Spotify yeah. and, and, and check out the song because people want, you know, it, you know, like you hear 30 seconds of something, you want to hear more of it. If you like it, like it's yeah. just human nature. Right. Yeah, well, and and another thing I think about, like, um, you know, honing that, you know, finding your space and and honing your strategy, I think is, you know, you can have your creative hat on, you can have your content producer hat on, and always mm-hmm. be thinking about, okay, how am I going to get xyz to like and subscribe or follow my channel or listen to my song or download this or that Mm -hmm. and you do whatever the generic thing to do is and it doesn't go anywhere but i think what kind of tightens the learning curve is always thinking about always being conscious about what works and doesn't work on you when you're consuming. So like what I mean by that is, you know, if I see a TikTok and I'm scrolling and I identify in the first half a second that it's a band and they haven't captured my attention in the first half a second and I scroll by, yeah, something might click on where I'm like, wait, I need to analyze why I as a consumer of that content scroll by without watching in half a second. And I'll go back and I'll deliberately watch what I initially classified as an uninteresting TikTok and say, okay, what made that uninteresting to me? And it helps me say, okay, this is what I'm not going to do if I want to attract people or like, so like you have to be, you have to be building out that side of it too. Like you have to understand what's not working when you're the one consuming content and then you have to be creative on okay what could possibly work that other people aren't doing at this point or like what haven't i seen yet Mm -hmm. you have to remember all the times that you've seen something and been bored with it otherwise you're going to do those same things because you're on autopilot because you're not thinking about it like a a consumer yeah that's a great that's a great point honestly because we're all creatures of habit right like we can pull up instagram and unless something that we see on Instagram or TikTok catches our eye within that first few seconds, we're just going to keep going. I mean, I literally, you know, I'll sit there. I, I'm not on TikTok a lot. Like sometimes I'll go on if I'm trying to do a little bit of research and, and, and whatnot. I say mm-hmm. research, but like if anything pops out to me, but, yeah. um, but I'll sit there and watch my wife on TikTok and she does that. She'll, she'll, she'll play for like the first three seconds. If it doesn't catch her attention, she swipes, you know, I, I watch her do that all the time. And as the consumer, right? Like you can teach yourself a lot, like you were saying about why didn't that work? And I've, I've never thought about that. I think that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, when it comes to what we do, right? We're a podcast, but we're also just in a sense a music outlet, right? We mm-hmm. we have a podcast. That's the thing that people can kind of kind of digest in a sense, you know, the Instagram right. is like, hey, here's a new song, right? Like, you know, and in the beginning, what we were doing was actually putting the music on Instagram and then Instagram did not like that. And they started mm. removing our posts and, and all this stuff. And uh, they like blocked our entire Instagram for like a week and we couldn't mm. access it. So like, you know, what we thought we were doing is like giving, sharing the music with you like right away was right. going to grab people's attention. And it did, it worked for a while. And and then obviously it's copyright uh, and a copyrighted material. And we, you know, kind of got the the, the hammer from Instagram. And so we had to stop doing that. So, you know, like any business adventure, musician, band, um, you have to pivot when those things are like, oh, got to stop doing that, or that didn't work or, or whatever, whatever it was. Um, and, you know, we have been trying to, I, I, I don't want to say I'm the mastermind, because I'm definitely not, but myself and, and Morgan, who, you know, goes by Mo, we just always are just bouncing ideas off each other. Like, do we think this would stick? you know, like, will that work? Like, will people want to hear that or see that? Or will this pop out to them? You know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing the same thing like you guys are doing, right? Yeah. It's, it's business, it's marketing. And, um, you know, for example, like our logo, is like a brutal death metal logo <laughs> has nothing, has nothing to do with the fact that we love death metal music. I mean, I don't mind it, but like we share pop, we share, po- you know, pop punk, we share, you know, uh, an array of music. And, mm-hmm. but that fun fact, you know, we, we launched the, the new logo. Mm-hmm. And at first it was only supposed to be like, you know, a couple week thing and we we're going to change it back to our, our original logo. Well, it, it, it garnered such a, a cool, like, uh, I don't know, attraction or like reaction that people are like, what is this? Like, what, what is this coffee and sugar death metal logo with the coffee cup thing? Like, wh- what is it? And, and mm-hmm. when we dropped the merch that following Friday, it was the best merch drop that we've ever had. Oh yeah. It, it just worked, but it was like, just, we had the idea of like, let's turn the coffee and sugar brand to a death metal logo and see what oh, yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. and we had no idea if it was going to work we we paid good money for that logo too and we were like well let's hope we recoup that money with the merch sales and as of like i think two days ago we 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 matched what we spent yeah. and so and we've made so i'm just like that's again it's marketing it's like trying something that may or may not work and if it if it doesn't cool we know not to do it again but if it does it's like all right well we'll stick with it yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's funny. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the brand Liquid Death. Yeah. Okay, the canned water brand, mm-hmm. but that's that's that, that that's kind of a, a similar uh, tactic. But it, you know, it certainly works for them. You know, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's awesome. Uh, no, I I, I got to be honest. When uh, when I saw the, I was looking at the logo right before we got on, and I was like. Oh my God, do these guys think that we're like a metal band or something? <laughs> I was afraid. I, I kind of scrolled through your feed. I was like, what am I getting into here? But uh, no, I. That, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, I think people are also confused, but, you know, but we. Uh, to your point, no, 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 no. That, that, I think that confusion, though, is, you know, whether or not it's intentional, like the fact that it's kind of tongue in cheek, um, it creates 
that you know that question is enough to capture somebody it, it, it's the way liquid death works it's like mm-hmm. if i don't know that liquid death is canned water and i see this can of something that says liquid death i'm like what is that and then i buy it and i try it and i open it, it was like, that's that's pretty much you know what you're doing it's like mm-hmm. wait what is this you know mm-hmm. why why does it say coffee and sugar but it's a death metal you know pile of sticks logo and and it has nothing to do with coffee and sh- like coffee yeah. like has nothing to do with coffee <laughs> and what's so funny is i mean I, i'm not trying to make this about coffee and sugar but like when we were creating the name mm-hmm. you know morgan and myself we were going back and forth and we you know we're just throwing out things that just were like really generic kind of thing and and then in, in college my nickname was uh coffee mm-hmm. my last name's kaufman it just mm-hmm. was easier for people to remember so they always mm-hmm. called me coffee Morgan's last name is Sugars. And so, but it's spelled S H U. And so I, I don't know who threw it out first, but like one of us threw it out and we're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's that's perfect. And stuck. and 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 then it, it just yeah, it, it stuck. And a lot of people sometimes think that we sell coffee, which is <laughs> not the case but when they when they see that name and then they see our logo and then they go to our profile it's like boom 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 mm-hmm. you know the confusion like you said i mean i never thought about it that way but it, it makes sense and we we actually did a, a promotional post on instagram for the merch the highest reaching ad that we've ever ran and it, i think and we you know you can track the how many people tapped it mm-hmm. you know tons i was oh, yeah. just like great mm-hmm. awesome and i don't know if any of those random people bought any of the merch but they definitely went and looked at it <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah no and i mean what you're describing is kind of you know it, it, it's a covert way to get people not to trick people but you know like i like we said before if you've got half a second of attention as a consumer mm-hmm. you know and you're making a split decision like if i'm a consumer i might not be interested in music podcast, or I might not think that I'm interested in music podcast, but I see this shirt and I'm like, oh, I do like ironic merch, like thinking that it's something for like mm-hmm. a coffee brand or something that happens to have a, a death metal logo. But then yeah. you click in and, and that is the beginning of the funnel. You click mm-hmm. in and it's like, oh wait, what is this? And then you have to investigate what it is. And now that I've taken more than half a second to investigate what your brand is, I'm more interested or I have right. interest that I didn't know I would have because I mm-hmm. wasn't willing to take the chance until I saw something and thought it was something else. Right. Cause everything has to be worth your time, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what it is. If it's, if you feel like it's not worth your time, then you're not gonna, I mean, how many times has someone sent you a song or a band to listen to and you've put it off, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've done that all. And as of someone that runs a, like a music publication outlet, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, people send me music all the time that I'm like, I'm stuck on this. I'll get to that whenever I, you know, I have some time or when, it, mm-hmm. when I feel like it's worth my time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it's, that's, that's definitely facts, definitely facts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, human nature is just continuing to evolve, especially with social media. Yeah. I mean, I, I am, I am interested to see what the next big thing is, right? Like it's probably already happening and it's probably getting like very, uh, low level attention, like, like TikTok, right? TikTok was called Musical.ly before it was TikTok. Mm-hmm. And my little sister 
in middle school was creating all these musically dances and stuff like that and she was super into it but like it had no mainstream you know popularity until for some reason it got changed to tiktok and then Mm -hmm. they added more features that gave people really non-creative people the ability to be creative Mm -hmm. you know like it, it, it was interesting and then all of a sudden it's one of the biggest apps <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you know without because I, I would have never I, I guess I would never have foreseen TikTok um, although it is kind of just a retread it, it, it's a souped up retread of Vine mm-hmm. but um, you know like if, if, if you had a water gun to my head and you asked me what I thought the future was of social media and ways creatives would market um at those watering holes to people like i think the next frontier and something that is kind of already happening is i mean i don't want to sound like a tech bro but i think it's the metaverse i think it's um interacting with you know and, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like the facebook metaverse it doesn't have to be whatever you know dow metaverse it can just be like the way artists, at least bigger artists, are able to have live events in games. Mm-hmm. So like Fortnite, I think Fortnite's had Travis Scott, Fortnite's had Marshmallow. Marshmallow. Um, I don't know if they've had anybody else, uh, but that's like an incredibly novel, especially during the pandemic, you know, that's an incredibly novel way to meet, uh, you know, consumers where they are and have a virtual concert. Yeah. There's another band from Philly uh, they were featured on NPR for this. They did, um, they actually did a concert on Minecraft um, where they had a if, Minecraft server. I think I heard about that. The band is called, oh, they've had two names. The band's called Courier Club. Um, and they had this like festival basically. And they built a stage in Minecraft and they gave every, it was like an open server and they had like 150 people in the server and they just like, I don't know how they did it, but they they played their music either through their microphone or whatever, like mm-hmm. one live player just communicated to the entire lobby, the music. And, you know, it's like, it's, it, it's, it, it's silly, but it's, mm-hmm. I, I think that maybe that's the future of, um, you know, creatives having something to accompany what they hope the, the product is, which is the music um, yeah. in a package that, someone will more readily consume I think that's where we're going yeah that's that's a fair point and I think a lot of people aren't on it right now because either one they don't have a you know for at least to the metaverse right they don't have an oculus you know it costs money it's kind of an investment to be able to experience that um and as well as just the knowledge of how to do it Mm -hmm. right you know how to effectively uh be in the metaverse or however you want to say it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the other, the other thing that you're seeing a lot is artists trying to get into like the NFT space. Um, mm-hmm. I forget who did it recently, but I know I what you're know, talking about. I don't know if it was, well, so there's, there's a couple of projects, but one of them, I, I don't know if it's like distro kid or something. Um, they were doing an NFT project where they maybe had like, 10,000 tokens or something like that. And then they were going to attach like 10,000 indie artists or something to each of the mm. NFTs. So like you would have um, whatever, you know, exclusive copy of whatever indie band 
material you wanted. So, I mean, that's that's a potential thing. And I know Kings of Leon like sold their, I don't know, their most recent album or something as an NFT. It, you can go back and forth on what the real like utility of that technology is. I'm kind of mm -hmm. dubious, but like just on the front that it's a gimmick um, yeah. to attract people or like another way that you can offer something that you wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to do with just your music alone. I think it's a pretty exciting um, concept. You hear about that, that company that was uh, selling the album arts as NFTs and, and the bands and the artists didn't know that it was happening? No. Yeah, it was a whole thing on Twitter. I forgot what the company was, but the guy that runs it apparently was um, part of the Spotify like marketing team or something like that okay. and split off and created this company where he essentially was taking the high-res images of these album arts and selling them as an nft hmm. and and bands and and the musicians had no idea and then it just like it, it crashed their website because people were flocking to it and like reporting it and wow. all this stuff and uh, they put out a post on twitter that said it seems like we have rubbed some people the wrong way we'll, <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> momentarily or something like that and they yeah yeah and i mean they're still doing whatever but yeah so no i think you're i think you're right the, i think metaverse nfts being kind of like a a, a hot pad of unknowing uh where it's gonna go will could could be a, a an avenue for artists to well, get out and there to, and to a larger point to a larger point that is that kind of ties back to what we said a couple of minutes ago, which is, you know, starting out on a less trod path usually gives you greater success to be mm -hmm. one of the first to break out on that path. So like with TikTok, I mean, because TikTok is 24 months old or whatever, and all of the mm -hmm. tropes for bands or musicians or producers have kind of been established, you know, we're like, so many memes or, or viral trends have been done within that music space that um, it feels played out. But mm -hmm. you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. When when TikTok was not popular yet, there were people who were struggling and were like, "Well, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do other than play thirty seconds of my song? Like, like how can I stand out?" So, you know, I, I think we look at NFTs and we look at the metaverse the way maybe we would have looked at TikTok in 2018 or 2019 when right. it was musically and said, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? But the thing is like, I, I think, you know, to the, to the, um, you know, to fortune favors the bold, so to, so to say, to borrow a phrase, but like you have to take a risk or you have to put in the work of being a pioneer in that space to establish mm -hmm. what the tropes are going to be, you know, to figure out where the value is creatively in attaching your work to an NFT or figuring out how to, you know, have a concert on Minecraft, you know, it's like somebody has to do it first. And like, mm -hmm. you know, those people who did it, maybe they had a hundred ideas that like wouldn't have been able to be yeah. executed or, or just didn't work. But that one time now they are the first person who's done that, or they're one of the first people who've done that. I think they reap, you know, they reap the benefits of that. Well, I was going to say, someone's going to figure it out yeah. so, regardless of, who it is someone's going to figure it out just like 
you know, Marshmallow doing a concert in uh, Fortnite uh, mm-hmm. and then the concert in Minecraft. Someone, I mean, someone's going to do it. And then follows the people that once it's, you see the success of it and, you know, people, you want people to see things and, and have their eyes on things. Yeah. What Marshmallow did with Fortnite was kind of iconic, right? Mm-hmm. Like something that's never been done before live yeah. in a game. I, yeah. I just think that's, you know, that was super cool. And I remember tuning into it and I don't even play Fortnite. I was just, I was like, I just, I was a big fan of Marshmallow. So I wanted mm-hmm. to see this and it was cool. I mean, it, 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 it grabbed the attention of all the younger kids that played Fortnite as well as the, you know, I don't know, mid twenties, yeah. you know, people that have been following Marshmallow or, or whatever and, and enjoyed his music to, uh, to gather in one place and consume (laughs) so no i that it's so true though it's you have so many ways to go about marketing your brand your Mm -hmm. music uh that has been done before right and repeating it over and over isn't going to separate you from the rest you know yeah um you know i talk with bands you know on the show and and we talk about marketing and what they do to to put themselves out there right half of marketing is also knowing the right people mm-hmm. you know and, and and people that can take what you're creating and, and put it in the in the spotlight for more people mm-hmm. to see it right that's 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 networking is a whole other thing right i yeah. interviewed a band called in dying arms uh whose episode just went live this week and we talked about, you know, they've been a band for 16 years. They're, they're so well connected in the industry. And that's how they've been able to really just continue to go because they have the, the fans and, and the connections of people that continue to support them that are in the music industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so on the alongside marketing, networking, and the people that you guys as a band connect with will help you even go even further, you know? Yeah. And um, I don't know, are, are you guys managed? currently or is it you just you guys managing yourselves we are we are managed um we're, we're managed by uh, somebody that we've we've known for for a long time and uh have a lot of trust in and, and she's a nice. close collaborator with us um but i will say to your point about um just networking um you know in the philly scene um we felt like for a long time we were kind of always the the outsider looking in. And a lot of that was self-inflicted, I think. Um, a lot of it was just not knowing how. And that's such a that's such a weird thing to say because we all look at ourselves as very social people and we, you know, are, you know, we consider ourselves all very easy to get along with. So um, the fact that I would say that we didn't have a lot of like band friends for a while or like friend bands, brother bands, sister bands, whatever um was kind of a disconnect uh and it's weird but it took the pandemic and not being in that live space to kind of for some reason counterintuitively um start that networking and 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 kind of lit a fire to branch out and you know actively try to befriend other bands in our uh, immediate scene and also New York. So we're split between uh, Philadelphia and suburbs outside of Philadelphia and New York. Um, 
and kind of, I mean, when we weren't able to play, when we weren't able to play live, we started doing other things. So like I kind of had a, a little version of uh, what we're doing right now, but I was on the other side. I, I, every week I interviewed a different act about a song and I played through it and I asked them about their production. I asked them about the songwriting. I asked them about how everything came together. And, you know, I was just meeting a new act every week and we still talk to a lot of those bands and like we play shows with those bands now. So it, it's, mm -hmm. it's something that is really important. And, uh, you know, you can kind of convince yourself that all the other things are important and they are to an extent, but like, just like what you said, like at the end of the day, not many bands get by and make it all the way just on grassroots engagement and just solely on fan engagement and like underswell of mm -hmm. fan engagement you need in 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 order to access other groups of people you need somebody to introduce you to those other groups of people and you usually do that live and you usually mm -hmm. get in with those um people who introduce you by making friends with them so absolutely yeah, absolutely important. I, uh, I, I plug these guys all the time. Cause they're some of my best friends. I've known them for uh, over 10 years now. Um, there, there's a band in the post-hardcore scene called archetypes collide who, um, they, I can now finally talk about it publicly, uh, are, they just signed to fearless records, um, this past Friday, uh, released a new song with the announcement. It, it was, it was so awesome to just see and uh, watch their success from 2014 when they started to where they're at now in, in 2022, about to go on their first tour next month across the country. Um, and then, you know, festivals all across the country that they're getting added to as well as more tours in the fall. Like it, it's just been crazy to watch their, their success. And, you know, they just did an interview with uh, uh, Danny Wimmer presents on Twitch. Okay. Uh, and it, 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 go watch it. It was a fantastic interview. Um, it happened on Monday. Um, and they actually did like a three song pre recorded live set that they shared. It was, it was dope. But the point of bringing that up is, you know, being kind of in the know of their, their journey as a band and, and what they've done to kind of get to where they are. And they're the only band I know that I have any sort of context to, to share around that is, you know, some of the advice that they were giving some of the bands in the chat was like, you know, don't, and you mentioned it kind of earlier, it's like, don't let the, the outside forces, the outside thoughts uh, uh, of people keep you or looking at people and wanting to be where they're at, like mm -hmm. from focusing on what y'all's, you know, your craft is and, and what you are doing as a band, right? Because what you're doing is not going to be like them, you know, mm -hmm. because you are you, you are unique. Um, and, you know, I think they, they kind of talked about the people as well that they connected with over time. So they're currently managed and then they started becoming managed back in 2020 by uh, Thomas Gutches. He is uh, the manager for a band called Beartooth, mm -hmm. um, if you've heard of them. And okay. he is so well connected in the industry. And, and the reason that they met Thomas was because they actually put together a ton of money to go record up in Ohio with Ashi Bishar. Oh, I say Ashi Bishar, but Nick, Nick Ingram, uh, 
who helps kind of record some stuff for Beartooth and uh, is really close with them, but also uh, Ashi Bishar to, to, to help write some, some new songs. So Nick and Ashi of Beartooth were there when they were writing these like four or five songs in the studio. And really what they did to get even that opportunity was, you know, uh, I think it was Ashi does like a, a thing on Twitch, like a live stream where he asked bands to submit a song and whoever wins, wins a like, you know, an opportunity to pay <laughs> and go record with Nick in Ohio uh, and with him as well. And they submitted a song they, they just put out and it, it, it hit. And so they brought him up. And anyways, because of that writing session, that recording session, they met Thomas or mm-hmm. Ashi mentioned to Thomas, his manager, hey, you should really check these guys out. They have some really cool material that is being written right now. And, you know, one thing led to another and Thomas brought them on as a band that he was going to manage. Mm-hmm. And so they had the backing of Thomas as well as the backing of, you know, Ashi and Beartooth and then Nick, who is a, a big producer up there in Ohio. And then it just kind of just, it didn't take off yet, but the, the pieces were being put in place for yeah. them to get their music out there. And, and the way that they went about releasing all of these songs that they recorded I thought was honestly genius, right? Like singles are where it's at. And I think what you guys did with Undercurrents was fant- a fantastic idea, right? Like you have your, you know, I see you guys have an album from 2018. You have a few EPs out there. Um, but singles every basically two or three months uh, is what over the course of those four songs is what put them on the map and, and, yeah. and got them to a point where they're upwards of 50 to 60,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Yeah. And, um, and, and back to the networking, like they took this step, this kind of risk of, I'm, we're going to put a bunch of money together, go record, see what happens. But they did it because they wanted to do it and they were just going to see what happens. Right. It's like taking, taking risk is, is super important with the band. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I have like a, a connection to them. So I'm just like super hyped for, for, for them and, and watching them become who they are and being signed this past Friday to fearless and all of the things, right. You know, Oh, there goes my, there goes my camera. One second, one sec. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Um, I have a external camera that likes to turn off in the middle of oh. the streams, but, um, but yeah. So Thomas being their manager, that is what really set them on that path to success. And, uh, you know, you find that one person that will get your music in the hands of someone else is, you know, the possibilities, you know what yeah. I mean? And, yeah. and another thing, another thing that uh, was mentioned on that, that interview was just like, be a good person, mm-hmm. you know, be nice, nice, being nice goes a long way. And I feel like it's very easy to kind of get an ego when you're doing some really cool stuff, Yeah, you know, um, making some big moves. And these guys have continued to just, you know, keep their nose down and work hard. And they're some of my best friends. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't think any of them 
have that kind of ego. And I feel like they're going to go pretty far, you know, just yeah. from being good people, be nice and be an advocate for the music industry. Cause I feel like there's so many people out there that aren't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. No, I, that, that reminds me of something. And I, I don't think uh, he's the one who coined the phrase, but my, my dad said something to me once. Um, he said, uh, be nice, be nice to the people that you meet on the way up because you're going to see them again on the way down a very fair point very fair point yeah um don't yeah don't burn the bridges on the the way yeah, up the ladder exactly exactly <laughs> well and and because you never know who's going to be in what position or what shoe's going to be on what foot you know so you have to just be nice <laughs> i agree no i i i uh again you know i i don't know if you uh you know have been able to watch uh, people kind of come up in the scene um, but it's just it's fun to just kind of sit in the back seat and just watch it happen you know? yeah yeah there are two there's two bands um, right now there's one one band they just played on um, well I should say it, it's a solo project so he just played on Seth Meyers but uh, Del Water Gap I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. but they they had a, a big indie album hit this year and uh they're kind of starting to blow up nationally but i saw them in when they were just a band from jersey i saw them at milk boy in 2017 um mm. you know it's like a, a room for 50 people and then in the same room i saw another band from toronto who uh they were on tour with our other friends um called valley and i saw them in the same room with about the same amount of people and now they're like selling out like two thousand cap rooms all over the country so and they've awesome. got like a million listeners on spotify so yeah it, it's cool like when when you're emotionally invested in somebody's journey and i you know i i will not profess to know either of those people <laughs> personally the way that it sounds like you know you know you have friends so i'm sure it's even sweeter for you than it is for me but like just even as as somebody who saw both of those bands with like 40 other people on a Thursday night in a small venue, you know, you yeah. get emotionally invested at the ground level because of that, like you're kind of a fan for as long as that career arcs, because you're like, Oh, I want to see where this goes because it's so rare to encounter a band that makes those several jumps in that many years or whatever. So right. It's definitely yeah. cool. No. And it's, you know, you feel like a little piece of what you've done to help su just supporting them has helped get them to, you know, where they're at. Right. Right. It's like, get, it's like getting in on a stock very early. <laughs> like buying Google at $10. It's, uh, that's a very, that's a great analogy. Uh -huh. oh, rip the stock market. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's, you know, they started out in, I, their first EP, it's so funny. We always joke about it. And I say joke. I mean, it was it was decently produced. It was decently written, right? They'd probably hate me for saying that, but uh, they probably agree, actually. Um, but it's just, we, we, we kind of go back to it sometimes and we'll, we have a group chat that we're all in on like Facebook and we'll just throw out the lyrics sometimes. And uh, they're just like, oh, facepalm, you know? <laughs> because it's, as the band, I, I can only imagine it's like you hear those songs so much, you know, as you're yeah. writing, as you're, you know, it, it, I'm sure 
they have a different feeling towards, obviously they have a different feeling towards it than the people that listen to it do, you know? Right. Well, I, I was just going to say like, it's, it's kind of a good sign when you can look back at something and, and like either cringe at it or, you know, not feel as like, Oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. Uh, mm -hmm. when you look at it, because I think that implies that since you wrote that, or since you performed that piece of music, you've grown as an artist, or you put something out that's, yeah. you know, that stands taller than that last thing. And we've, I mean, we've pulled stuff down off Spotify in the past. Um, you know, I think we had two EPs from like, the early stages of the band that aren't online anymore. Um, uh -huh. And a lot of that stuff, you know, it's like, when we were making it, it felt like lightning in a bottle, but like, you know, I wouldn't probably play any of those songs live <laughs> anymore. Um, but it's, it's kind of one of those things where like, you have to appreciate it as, okay, this was the stepping stone that got mm -hmm. me to doing what I'm doing now. Like I had to yeah. write that stuff to be able to write what I'm writing now, to be able to mm -hmm. work on what we're working on now. So, right. you know, that's how I look at it. I don't look at anything with regret. I look at it as, that was a moment of growth for me. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm doing differently in my artistry, or this is where I am now as a creative. And so that's why I can look back on it and appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I was listening to your alt music over the last week or so, just kind of getting prepped and ready to, to chat with you. And, you know, my buddies went through three phases of music, of sound, I feel like. They're still, it was always in the post hardcore genre, but just their sound developed from, their first EP to their second EP to what they just recorded these like last five singles that you know may or may not make it on their their album but these last five singles are different than these the second but they're both two really good I mean their first EP to their second was a really big jump to where pr production and writing was just awesome like contrast between what they did and what they were doing and then this this next bunch what I think I remember them saying was, you know, the music they wrote for their second EP was written to just listen to, mm -hmm. you know, a, a good listen. This, this like third set of songs was written to play, to, mm -hmm. to perform, mm -hmm. you know, cause there's a difference between writing a song that just is a feel good, sound good song and a different, yeah. and, and, and then writing a song or a group of songs that you're like, I cannot wait to play these live. Yeah. And that's what I feel they mentioned is that they were really trying to focus on creating songs that they were just stoked to play live because, you know, as an artist, you got to play those songs live. If the, if you're going to be playing shows that that's the goal, right? Like you yeah. can be a studio band and that be it. Like there's a ton of studio bands out there that are doing very well, but yeah. if you want to be a touring musician and play shows, like you have to write to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the biggest, that's been the biggest struggle because we are working on. So I'm actually, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now. I'm looking at like this, the gaps in the track list. Um, but while we were putting out music, so I, we put out like a song, at least one song every year in the last three years. Um, mm -hmm. But that entire time while we were writing one off singles, you know, we did, uh, suffer, break me in, bad things, imaginary friend, now undercurrents, and we've got two more that we're going to put out as singles. Um, for the last four years, I've been writing our follow-up to our 2018 full length. 
So awesome. it, it and, and, and like the whole time, just the struggle of like, you know, is this a song for the album? Is this a single? And, mm -hmm. and delegating like that. And that's been quite a creative process. But yeah, no, to your point about live music versus recorded music, like I have to remind myself when, you know, when we weren't playing out live for 24 months or whatever it was, and I wanted to have, you know, six different guitar parts and, you know, four different synth pads and, and <laughs> yeah. parts, all this drum stuff that like a human being can't play. It's like, mm -hmm. we have to rein this back. Like we have to sound like a live band or we have to sound more like a live band because this is how we're going to represent ourselves when we're yeah. playing live again. And, and that's, right. that's something that like, that's something that the other members of the band, especially Henry kind of reigns me on, on like, let's play mm -hmm. through these songs before we get to recording them so that like they yeah. actually do see some live band synergy before we go to lay them down for the the final take but yeah there's a there's a song that my buddies put out called forgive me and it's one it's probably one of my favorite songs that they've ever written and their new stuff is great but i just have like an affinity to this song and um the thing about it is that it starts off super soft mm -hmm. and then like comes in with a heavy breakdown and it's just like 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 pulls the heartstrings kind of kind of song uh -huh. um and the drummer hates playing it, hates doing it live. <laughs> and I, I mess with them all the time because I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about the music in the chat and be like, yeah, dude, forgive me all day, every day. And they will they, put out like po uh, posts like, you know, what, what, what would be your ideal five song set? And I'd be like, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> and, and but the drummer hates it because it's it's there's nothing for him to do for like a minute and a half of the song. They're just, he's yeah. just sitting there, you know. So yeah. it's like it's almost you have to end with that or start with it kind of yeah. kind of song live, you know. Yeah. Um, or you have to or you have to invent or reinvent the way that you play those songs. So looping back yeah. to undercurrents, like you know that song is on the record it's an acoustic guitar and like a cajon and some ambient stuff that we sampled like from our own ambient recordings but yeah. when we do it live you know we're not breaking out the cajon and an acoustic guitar in a set that's been since an electric guitar is on a full drum kit so like we basically you know we figured out a live version of that song that's electric and it's you know it's cool it's cool to be able to offer that um as a musician to a to a you know, a, a listener base to, to say yeah. like, you know, you liked this version of the song on the record, come out and see us live because it's totally different. Like that's just yeah. another like reason to get people to come to shows. I, I think. Right. No, for sure. I, I think uh, that adds to, you're right, making performances even more exciting because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the band Switchfoot, you've heard of them. Yep. Um, you, I mean, listening to albums, great, you know, huge switchfoot fan i went and saw him live for the first time yeah pre-pandemic it might have been like mid 2019 and oh my goodness uh, i mean just the i mean it's something about the guitars and how they how they play them and how they draw these these three or four minute songs out into like six minutes yeah is they do such a great job and like that's what makes going and seeing switchfoot like an amazing experience you know yeah um and you know i'm sure they could take forgive me and and spice it up in the beginning and give the drummer something to do but uh yeah it's you know it's li live versus studio it's 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 different you know it's yeah. and then writing for studio and writing for live music is is also different so 
you know, if I could pass on that knowledge of what they've experienced is like being able to write for live performances to where, you know, you're going to crush it. And it's something that every band member can be excited about playing that will go a long way because I mean, if you guys, you know, everyone has a choice when you're a musician, you're doing it for fun or do you want to make being a musician something that supports you for the rest of your life? You know, Um, if you're going the rest of your life route, then you, you're going to be playing those songs for a long time. And something they mentioned on that interview uh, on Monday was, do you know the band Motionless and White? Mm -hmm. Have you heard of them? Well, one of their former members who was in the band for like 10 years, is is on this 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 live uh live twitch stream uh every monday mm-hmm. or basically he's just part of the show and uh he was talking about how you know on their first album they were put uh, i think it was abigail he said that we've we played for eight years and he's like i got so tired of playing that song <laughs> because it was it was always going to be one of the last songs we play because it was one of the, the biggest ones that we ever mm-hmm. writ we ever wrote um, but he's like, just get, he, he, he gave advice to, to my buddies, like, just get, be prepared to play these songs for five, eight, 10 years moving forward. So yeah. just when you're writing music, just remember that. <laughs> and I think that's why I feel like Switchfoot is such a great band to see live because all, I feel like all of their songs are written to play live and they love yeah. playing all those songs live. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think their performances are so great. I think something that extends the life of a song like that. And I mean, you know, I, I would love to be in that position where I was ever tired of one of my songs. But I, th- I think that um, the trick to that and, and something that there are a couple of bands that I can name that do it well, um, that I've seen live, um, the trick to keeping things fresh is doing different things to the song mm-hmm. live. So like, I know, like, I mean, I'll just throw out a super generic example, but like the Foo Fighters, um, they'll do a version of Monkey Wrench where they do like a breakdown at the end. Like instead of mm-hmm. the ending, it's just like, it's basically a, a, a punk breakdown. Um, yeah. I've begrudgingly been to a couple of Panic at the Disco concerts in my life. And, <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> uh, well, my wife has dragged me to them, but I... Uh, you know, I, I leave very satisfied because, you know, mm-hmm. he, he will do things to his earlier catalog that just sounds so different live and he's like mixing things up and keeping things interesting. And I think that's probably one of the keys to longevity as well in that regard. Yeah. Now, I mean, like if you're journey and it's don't stop believing, there's not much you can do to that <laughs> song, but like, you know, all of your other like classics, you can always pull different mm-hmm. stuff in or make different, create different moments in the live show that keep the audience on their toes and then keep it more interesting for you because they're in a sense reacting to a new performance of old material right and i think another one we can throw in that list is john mayer yeah uh i mean what he does in his life and i've never seen him live i had the opportunity i bought the tickets and then unfortunately i was traveling for work and i just couldn't go um but john mayer's live albums if you've heard them uh it's like every song has a different twist to it and it's just like damn this is almost this is better than the original you yeah. know like i think it was like live at, in madison square garden or something like that that he had an album out and it was just fantastic yeah so <laughs> no that's yeah this has been a great conversation i really enjoyed this yeah, i i, I yeah I, I like digging into the uh you know i 
I don't want to be a standard interview asking you like all the standard questions. And I, I like it to be a conversation about like things that you guys experience and that yeah. we experience, right? Like we're both a business. End of the day, we're both both business. We have a passion for what we do yep. and we want people to to experience it and, and see it and listen to it. And, uh, you know, having conversations like this, I feel like is what keeps people pulled in. So, uh, no, this has been great. I, Absolutely. I hope you've enjoyed this. <laughs> I did. It was great to meet you. And uh, hopefully we'll keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. I do have two final questions for you, though. Okay. And we ask these at the end every single time. Yep. The first one is, is there anything that you want to let the people listening or will listen uh, know about Tioga mm -hmm. and future things that you can share if you'd like? And, uh, you know, obviously where they can find you on socials and, and everything like that. Sure. So uh, Tioga is Tioga the band um, on Instagram and TikTok. Um, it's spelled T-I-O-G-A and then the band. Um, and you'll find this pretty easily. Um, we have, we're putting out, like I said, two more songs in the year 2022. Um, and then we will be gearing up for um, our second full length, which I think we're going to put out in the form of three, five song or four song EPs. Um, and it's, uh, you know, uh, up to this point, the, the fav my favorite thing I've done. Um, it's just I've spent so much time thinking about the lyrics and how everything connects sonically and lyrically and thematically. Um, and just also making it accessible and fun in a way that uh, if you're not reading into the lyrics, you can still enjoy the music. So um, really, really excited to put that out. And, uh, you know, just like you said, hoping to keep people captivated and uh, sticking, sticking with us all the way through that. And uh, yeah. again, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, Tiago the band on Instagram and TikTok, and I'm assuming Facebook and Twitter, if you're on Twitter, <laughs> um, perfect. And then final question mm -hmm. is how do you like your coffee? So my wife, uh, I'll just say I make dinner most nights, uh, but she's the earlier riser. So she makes us coffee and, uh, I get I'm pretty spoiled. I get, sometimes I get a latte in the morning, mm -hmm. depending on what she's feeling. Sometimes I get like a shaken espresso iced latte. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, black with uh, one sugar and a splash of half and half. So I, uh, I, I get, I get the full gamut thrown at me, whatever my uh, personal barista is feeling. But uh, if it's plain coffee, I take one cream, one sugar. There you go. Awesome. So I am a very simple person. Mm -hmm. uh, I just actually, so my nickname was coffee for the, I mean, the last however many years. And uh, I didn't drink coffee. I really only started drinking coffee like this past year. Uh -huh. um, so I'm, I'm pretty new to the game and I don't necessarily like the taste of coffee, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Uh, I, I can't drink it black. I just, it just tastes like garbage to me. Um, <laughs> And so I learned that there's, you know, cream 
creamer with sugar in it that makes it not taste like coffee which I'm like, oh, and then I experienced the <laughs> Starbucks pumpkin spice latte, which was uh-huh. absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm, I feel like I'm really kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm just a baby into it, but I feel like I'm trying to grasp, uh, absolutely. trying new things on coffee. And so <laughs> for Valentine's Day here, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, because I, I make coffee in the pot and then you know do all the things. So sometimes it's a it's a pain in the butt, and I I'm a man of convenience, and so. <laughs> my wife got me a gift and it's this, oh, this bad boy right here oh yeah got me a keurig wow and so i'll just pop a thing in there and i got my little uh little thing with water and i can fill it up and then <laughs> i got my i got a mini fridge here to the right of my desk so i got my creamer yeah. in there i don't have to leave the <laughs> office i just wake up in the morning go to, I work from home. So I walk across the, the hall to work <laughs> and I make my coffee and it is, uh, I I'm, I'm loving, I've already gone through like however many K cups, 22 K cups <laughs> in like a week and a half. It's nice. been, it's been great. Uh, nice yeah. So that's, yeah, I'm, I, I like probably 75% coffee, 25% creamer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe 85, 15. That's okay. I don't know. No shame it, it depends on the, on the day, but, um, yeah. So again, man, I appreciate you coming on. I'm glad that you, uh, didn't think that we were just into death metal. Uh, when, <laughs> when you were browsing our, our profile, we, we do have a mix of, of different artists and genres on there. And Absolutely. again, it caught the eye and it got you confused. So I think it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. It did. Absolutely. It did. And we'll, uh, we'll stay tuned. Awesome. Well, Hey, I appreciate it. You have a great rest of your night and uh, we'll see you on Instagram. You too, man. Take care. Hey, take care. Bye. Bye.